Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm finishing this episode pretty late at night, so I gotta be a little quiet. Today I'm joined by fellow podcaster Ben Storms. Don't worry, I don't whisper for the whole episode, but please enjoy this conversation with Ben Storms. More importantly than listening to this podcast and enjoying this episode and this conversation is listening to the people around you, the people in your life that you know from work, school, or in the groups you hang out with. Make five minutes today to listen to the people around you. Ben Storms, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you for having me. Very excited. So let's start off then, like I mentioned before, uh, with how we know each other. Would you mind telling that kind of, I don't know, how, how we came in contact? Sure, sure. So so uh, I do a podcast with my friends Marcus and Chris, who have also been on this same show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met through that. I guess, I guess you... We, we all sort of met through the Facebook group, right? I'm trying to remember exactly how yeah. it started. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the, like the Stitcher podcast That's Facebook right. group. And, yeah. uh, and I actually didn't remember that until Chris mentioned it when we were, when we were all recording last week. Huh. Um, and that was like a year ago, but I don't think I had any interaction with you. It was all with Chris. Yeah, that sounds um, right. I think he was definitely more heavily in that group than I was. Yeah, yeah. Cause, and I know like he does most of the editing and stuff for your show right. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was on your show, it was because you were away. So yeah, I, I think, was the fill-in for you. I think I was I think I was in Trinidad when you filled in. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, which I'd like to hear a bit why you were in Trinidad. Yeah, we can we can we'll... loop back to that at some point. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then, uh, then yeah, I was on on that show, and then I asked for all three of you guys to be on my other podcast, Dear Subjects, uh, mm-hmm. which I just changed the name to. Actually, the People of Home is what it's called now. It's more descriptive, oh. I think. Um, but then, yeah, and then and then that's when we first talked. Was actually in. We made a little group chat that we could do the planning. And then that was the first time I interacted with you. Right. And then yeah. I was like, okay, now he qualifies to be a guest <laughs> on my wax museum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how we met. Yeah. 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 A little, a little circling, a little roundabout. I was on your show nine months before we met. So that's kind of funny. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know this cause you've listened to our podcast, but yeah. I know we've talked about the fact that, um, you know, I've been doing this podcast with Marcus and Chris for, uh, I guess, a year and a half or so now. Actually, yeah. maybe it's, I think it's two years in like April. That sounds right, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because I still haven't actually uh, spent any time with Chris in person since it started. Um, really? Yep. Not a single time. You, you've met him once before, right? Exactly. Exactly one time because, yeah, Marcus and Chris lived together in college. And I've, I've known Marcus since right. freshman year of college. Um, oh, okay. And I, I met so wait, them. Wait, wait. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. You were, at, you were all three of you at college together, though. Yes. Yeah. We all went to Northeastern University in Boston. Yeah. But you didn't meet Chris. Like, you only met him once during that time. Exactly one time, despite him living with one of my closest friends. <laughs> Holy cow. And so, like, like, why? Is that just like a, just... 
it just has... it just didn't happen. I don't know. It's it's really it's really random. But I think also yeah. to be fair, I think that they only lived together for like a summer. I want to say so it wasn't like oh, okay. an extended so... period of time. But right, right, man, um, still very funny. That's hilarious. And and, and now yeah. you've been doing this show for two years. Yeah, well, and that's where it's, it's the funniest thing because like over those two years, aside from like like my immediate family and like my wife and Marcus. He's probably the person I've talked to the most. Really? Just because we we do like a probably, you know, two hour recording session every week. And we're in a right, group chat right. during the week. Um, yeah. So if not the most, it's definitely, you know, top 10 at least. And I have seen him exactly one time in my life. And that was eight years ago, nine years ago. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's like... Yeah. I, I mean, and and you think in in the world of the internet, right? There are a lot of people I have interacted with, interacted with, you know, on mm-hmm. on a fairly regular basis. Um, but like, you guys live in the same city, and you went to the same school. <laughs> yeah, and it just never happened. Yeah, it's just it's just, you know it just hasn't hasn't happened. It's funny because also Marcus is always like, we should really hang out, and we're always like, yeah, we should. It just never happens. It just never, never yeah. goes. And now we're quarantined, is... so who knows what knows when uh, it'll actually happen. And now, happen. yeah, exactly, yeah. right? You might never meet him. Exactly. Yeah. Holy cow, <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like you've been quarantined from each other forever, anyway. So exactly, changed, yeah, no right? change. <laughs> like, oh, we have to record our podcast remotely. Well, we've yeah. already been doing that. Big difference, you know? Yeah. So, uh, why don't you tell me then? Um, are you from Boston originally? No, so so I actually have a sort of complicated path to Boston. Um, okay, tell me I about was, it. I was born in Florida. Um, really? Okay. When I was like three or so, we moved to Connecticut. Okay. Um, maybe maybe it was like two or, or any, anyway. Around when I was like five or six, we moved from Connecticut to California. We were there for like a year and a half or so, and we moved to Texas. Um, okay. I stayed in Texas from, that's the one I remember definitely. I was in Texas yeah. from second grade until um, we left before my sophomore year of high school and moved to New Jersey oh, okay. where I finished out high school. And then I came okay. up here for college and have stayed in Boston ever since. Okay, so. interesting. So do you like, because you've lived in Florida, New York, or Connecticut, yeah, Florida, um, Florida, Connecticut, California, Texas, New Jersey, and now Massachusetts. And now Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. so tell me which which state do you feel like you have the most affinity for? I, I mean, at this point, Mass, I, I've the longest I've ever lived anywhere is in Massachusetts. Um, right, because you did school there, and now exactly, you and I've worked there. Right, exactly. So I, I still feel like. For a long time, people ask me where I was from. I would say Texas, just because it had been, you know, I was there for like eight years or whatever. Okay. Um, and that was just sort of where I, I, you know, second grade is sort of your real formative, like that time forward is kind of where you really become who you are. Um, right, right. So I would say, for a long time, I would say I was from Texas. I still do occasionally, um, but right. I think I usually if, just if say it's complicated. people like press for like, but where are you from? Right. You know? Right it, it, right. it is weird and I've I've thought about this before that I don't really, you know, I don't really have a hometown the way a lot of people do. Right. You know, yeah. I don't I don't go I don't go home to a place very often, which is weird. Right. And was that was that hard for you as a kid? Like what was that experience like? Um, I think if we had moved more 
like if we had moved another time in the middle of Texas, it would have been hard. Um, okay. And leaving Texas was a little hard. Yeah. I, I will say that one thing, I feel like this is something I sort of had to fight against for some of my life. Um, I've definitely, this is going to make me sound really like callous. I've definitely um, have trouble forming really strong connections to people sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's just sort of as a like reaction to all the movement, you know, I kind of got used right. to um, things being temporary, right? Right. Um, but I think at the same time, it's kind of, you know, it's not as bad as that sounds because I feel like I do a good job of really enjoying where I am and the people I'm with at the time. Right. Um, I just like, it's things where, you know, I've had friends who moved away and I just don't, you know, I don't have friends from high school that I really keep in contact with all that much, you know? Right. Cause you kind of, did you get used to that? Like, well, I'm going to be moving away. Soon, exactly. Right. So okay. I, I enjoy things in the moment. And then if they, if they go, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm always kind of expecting it, I guess, but not as sad okay. as that makes it sound if I can. Right. Right. Know. No. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think that it needs to be a sad thing. It's like, you just have an understanding that this is kind of the way that your life has gone. Right. Right. Sometimes things are temporary and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And do you like, so, so you feel that way, um, kind of a, about where you live and and mm -hmm. you understand that sometimes you have to move on from one thing and go on to the next is there anything in your life that you feel is more permanent and kind of like yeah like you know obviously you're in boston now but maybe other than the the place where you live um maybe something that you feel is a permanent staple in your life hmm oh that's that's a big question i mean I, I'd be remiss to, to say, you know, my family, obviously, and my wife um, are are both very, they are, are fixtures, definitely. Right. Um, I'd say most of the friends, so most of my friend group now um, are people I met freshman year of college. Um, and okay. so we've, we've been friends for, uh, hold on, I gotta do math, 11 years? 10, mm. no, that's not right. Nine years? Nine years. Okay. When I go to yeah. college, ten, nine or 10 years, something like that. Right. So I think at that point, that's kind of the point where it's like my brain kind of goes, okay, they're probably going to stick around a little bit. You know, I can, I feel a little more comfortable with, with them long-term, but. Right. And maybe did you feel a little bit like, oh, I'm an adult now and like I'm choosing. Where that's I'm also very true. Stuff? Yeah. That's also okay. very true. And so, um, did you, cause, okay. So you finished high school in New Jersey, mm -hmm. you said, right? Yep. And then, and then, uh, and then you went to Northeastern university. Is that what it's called? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And what, uh, what was the draw to go there? So it was a couple of things. Um, I, I first visited it, uh, my, my sister who's three years older than me, um, was going to BU. So, uh, which is Boston university. I, for people aren't oh, okay. necessarily from Boston, so they don't just know what BU is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, she was going to Boston university. So we actually went on a couple of college visits just while visiting her. Um, oh, okay. And I think the big thing for me with Northeastern is they have a really big co-op program where you do, for the most part, people will do three, like six month co-ops, um, where you just, okay. you know, get a job in your, whatever your major field is and, and work that job. 
um, which was really appealing as a, a, I feel like I learn well by, by doing, you know, so that idea of, of getting that sort of, you know, a sort of a break from just classwork, which is kind of nice sometimes and B just getting the actual like real world experience is really appealing to me. Definitely. Hmm. And you, you studied engineering, right? Yes. Yeah. So I did, I, I came in just doing electrical engineering. Right. Um, but during freshman year uh, at Northeastern, every engineer has to take sort of like a basic programming course where you just learn like, it's like MATLAB and some C++. Um, okay. Yeah. And and I had done some programming. I, mean, I was a nerd when I was growing up. So I had done right. some programming um, when I was younger, but never really anything too in depth. Um, and I really, really enjoyed doing that. And they offered a dual major with electrical and computer engineering. So I switched into that. And then, um, what was kind of, what was your hope or expectation to get out of that program? It's funny because I, like, I really thought it's actually really funny the way things worked out because, um, I was all in on electrical engineering. I had done, you know, circuitry stuff in, in like physics classes and, and loved it. And I thought I was all in on that. Um, and switching into the computer engineering was almost more of a like, well, I enjoy doing this and I may as well get it while I'm here. But as it, right. as it worked out, I wound up, I have never used my electrical engineering once aside from correcting Marcus on the podcast sometimes. Like that's really? that's the extent of yeah, um, I did three co-ops that were all more like honestly even more like computer science uh, focused co-ops than than anything even close to electrical engineering. Um, yeah, it's funny how it worked out. Um, and so okay, so y- you start this program, but then you don't end up using it. Yeah. Um, and is that just because your like your co-ops led you into into a different job? Yeah, I mean, I, I so the, the co-ops I did, um, the first two I did were both with a software company called um, Citrix, Citrix Systems, okay. Citrix. They do um, like go to meeting and a couple other. They're like a a um, you know web meeting company. There's some other stuff too, but that I, was their, I think their I've thing. heard of them. Yeah, yeah. You may, I think like log me in might be them as well. Um, okay, but uh, but yeah, uh, and and it was just doing like software test. And it's funny that that I something about doing that just like really spoke to me and really like called to me more, even more than the electrical engineering stuff had. And it was I guess doing the co-op program really did like you know if I had gone somewhere where I hadn't done that I probably would have stayed in electrical engineering and who knows what I'd be doing now. But I don't think I'd like it as much as what I'm doing now. So really, it worked okay, out well. So um, so obviously with. COVID-19 you're working from home yes Um, yeah but uh maybe on a normal day when you aren't in quarantine like everybody else on the planet um what what does your day-to-day look like yeah so Uh, specifically with work so I I I actually work for a financial company um okay I work for Putnam Investments they're a mutual fund company uh based in Boston um and it's it's weird. I, I work the, the team I'm on is an analytics team, um, specifically like business analytics. Um, so Putnam okay, has yeah. has a call center and a basically like a document processing center that are both in the same building I work out of. 
Um, and a lot of what we do is uh, sort of looking at the processes those two centers, you know, use um, and looking at, you know, where things can be made more efficient by digging into the data and seeing, you know, if if half the people are doing this step in the process this fast and half of them aren't, what are those fast people doing? That those slow people are not. And how can we get everyone doing that? Um, okay. Which is interesting. It's, it's really fascinating yeah. work. It's a lot of, yeah, yeah really cool stuff um, that I really enjoy doing. So I guess more specifically day to day, I, um, I write a lot of code in Python. Um, yeah. I do a lot of database work, uh, it's it depends on the day, which is part of the reason I like the job is that uh, it can be you know entirely coding some days. It can be like designing a database some days. It can be um, you know just like pulling down a bunch of data and looking at it some days. I don't know. It's fun. It keeps huh. me on my feet. Yeah, yeah and and I guess uh, it's problem solving. Right? Yes, like you're trying to figure out. Uh, how to optimize the productivity of the company, right? Exactly, and, and I problem solving is is what I love doing. So, I mean, it's satisfying. Exactly, right? yeah. And so, um, so that's interesting because that's totally not necessarily what you you studies. Oh yeah, no, not related to electrical engineering. Not in at any all. Way. It's it's barely related to computer engineering. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, maybe explain to me what the difference between computer engineering is and what you're doing. So computer engineering, it's one of those. So I would say that what I'm doing is somewhere between computer science, which is more like traditional programming work, and okay. something like a um, like information science, maybe. Which is more of okay. it's sort of like a weird hybrid between like computer science and business. Right. Um, computer engineering is more like it's it's like lower level. It's like um, you know doing like uh, logic design for for like electronics and things like that. You know. Okay. Um, it's it's I mean it's a kind of broad thing. It's one of those ones where you can right. go in a lot of ways with it. But that's kind of the more the purest is doing that kind of like more hardware or right above it sort of level right work. right interesting yeah um i i know a couple people who do data science and that's kind of yeah what that's that i would say that's like that's doing. that's what i'm doing yeah i i, I would oh, okay. say that interesting i would say that technically the work i do is probably more you know data science is taking the data and finding all the um the insights from it um, right. I do some of that. I would say that that's going to be thirty percent of my work. Seventy percent is what I would call data engineering, which is more okay. helping the people who are doing that get the data where and how they need it. You know. Okay, interesting. So if we have a system that we you know are generating all this data with, whether it's like you know our call system or the scheduling system. Um, yeah. How do we get all that data pulled down into one place and set up in a way that you can join the call data to the schedule data to, you know, the processing data or whatever? Um, how can you make that all okay. work together? It's interesting. It's okay. fascinating. Yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm incredibly fascinated by data and and how we use it to uh, make better decisions in businesses mm -hmm. and organizations and stuff, um, and and of course how we collect it and 
like how effective that is and stuff. Um, and I could talk to you about it all day <laughs> if you wanted, but, uh, for time's sake, maybe, maybe let's talk a little bit about, um, about, uh, Trinidad. Let's circle sure. back to that. Sure. Uh, tell me what you were doing there and, uh, what that experience was like. So, so, uh, my, my wife is from Trinidad. Um, okay. That's a good reason to go yep, there. Yeah. So at, at the time we were not married when I was there, when you were replacing me on, on our podcast, yep. um, we got married uh, in January. Well, we got married in January and also last September. It's complicated. We'll get to that part. Um, yeah, yeah. I look forward to getting into that. Yeah, uh, but but we met, um, I guess, a little over three years ago uh, in Boston. Okay. At the time, she was doing her master's at Northeastern uh, in communications, okay. um, and we met through a mutual friend. Well, I guess so. One of my best friends. Um, was the brother of one of her best friends and her best friend. Okay. Um, there's this, this bar in Boston called uh howl at the moon um, where okay. kind of their thing is at nights they have um, uh, how to describe it. They have it's it's live music, but it's, it's a group of musicians where there's like two pianos and then people on just various other instruments and they just take requests and play pop songs. Right. You'll like really? write songs on paper and take it up there and they'll play songs. It's a lot of fun. Huh. Um, and her friend had a basically they'll do like so fun thing about Boston. Um, it's illegal to have happy hour in Boston. <laughs> I don't know if really a lot of people don't don't know this. Boston is a, a good Puritan city and you cannot do happy hour drink specials. Um, that is so interesting, but it's not a dry city. It's not a dry city. Have happy hour. You cannot have happy hour. So. Uh, Interesting. the restaurants and bars get around this in a couple of ways. Um, one of them is they'll just do what they call an appy hour where appetizers like half price or something, which is fine. Okay. Um, yeah. or you can do, you can do a special all night for people as long as it's not in a specific like time bracket. So what bars will do is give away bar parties where you quote unquote win one by just like putting your name on an email list and then you'll win one every like three weeks. It's hilarious. Um, huh. And it's just, they're like, hey, you can invite, you know, you and 11 friends can come here and order these lower price drinks. It's just, you know, it's just like well liquor, margaritas or whatever, which is fine. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not picky. Um, and, you know, you can go there and, and do that. So, so her friend had won one of these um, and she kind of forgot about it. And she had like right. eight people going, but she has an extra slot. So she talked to her brother and was like, hey. You should come. And also, if you have any friends you want to come, you know, invite them. Go ahead. So mm. he came. He invited me. I met my wife there. And, you know, like three-ish years later, we got married. So. Hmm. And so and so she was studying in Boston. Yes. Yeah. I guess um, three-ish years later, we got married. It's a bit of an oversimplification. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because so we got we met in February of 2017 okay. wait i should know this yeah 2017 got there okay um and she graduated in may and in order to stay in the country uh after you graduate on a student visa you have to right. get a job um yes. yeah which she really tried and it was really hard on her but she wasn't able to uh okay. so in october of that year she had to go home to trinidad 
So basically from that point forward, we were long distance, which was rough. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously we got through it. And it's it. not like long distance, like you're, you know, she's in Texas or something. It's like, Exactly. Yeah. It is, It is. you know, a, a like 2,000 mile. I can't remember how far it is. But is that how far? Yeah. It, you're, you're looking at like eight hours of flying to get there. And, you know, it's, right. it's you know, 500-ish at least hour tickets. It's not, you know... It's not a weekend trip. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a different country. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a different continent. You know, Trinidad, yeah. Trinidad is, is like, if you're not entirely familiar where it is, it's like right at the coast of Venezuela. It's like, you know, yeah, right off the coast of Venezuela. So it's, it's down there, you know? Yeah. It's a ways away. Yeah. So, so yes. And so, so you did this long distance relationship for a while, mm-hmm. um, which of course is hard. Um, and you were there in the summer. How often, like, did you manage to make it out there? I I went down there two times. Um, so I think the time when you subbed in for me, I was down there. That was the first time I went down there. Um, yeah. And it was actually, uh, I went down there for a carnival, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with sort of the Caribbean carnival or not. Not, not really. I know there's like a lot of festivities and yeah. stuff, but you can explain it so, a little bit. So carnival um, is, it's, I, I think it's, it's like originally a religious uh, thing, right? It's, it's okay. associated with, um, it's around, hold on, when is it exactly? It's near ash wednesday okay i can't remember yeah. exactly exactly when it's like linked to but regardless um it is you know parades with people in these uh incredible like brightly colored costumes um playing music lots of drinking um yeah. very fun i did not actually march in carnival um or, or, or play in carnival as as, as you say um, I did do, so the first night of carnival, cause carnival, it takes place over, um, two days and like, okay, the, so it's like a big, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Very, yeah. very, very big. Um, and the first night sort of like end of the first morning is what they call uh juve, which is similar to like the main marches, but a little toned down with regards to the costumes and everything. Um, and we went and did that. Mostly because it's a little cheaper and a little less intense. Um, so I think we met up with our group at about 2 a.m. And we marched through okay. the capital of Trinidad until about 7 a.m. Um, blasting music. There was a a um, like a truck with a bar on it that was our bar that we had free reign of. So I was drinking rum and coke all night. Um, they also, as part of Juve, either cover yourself in mud or paint or um, mostly mud and paint are the big ones. Sometimes it's like, 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 okay. like color powder and stuff. So I was covered in like body paint right. as well, um, which was fun. It was a good time. Huh? That, yeah, that sounds like quite the party. Yeah. And, uh, and so then you're, you're there during these, these festivities. Yes. Yeah. Um, had you traveled outside of the U.S. Uh, much before this? Uh, exactly once. I had been to London when I was like eight. Really? And that was it. So, so 
uh, and I'm curious as well, because um, I know, I mean, North America, I mean, anywhere really that you go in the world, you can find bits of other cultures and, mm-hmm. and learn uh, bits of other cultures. Did you have like an interest in other cultures before this? I, I had some. Um, I just, yeah. I hadn't, wasn't, you know, I hadn't had a huge number of opportunities to, to leave the country. Right, right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, so then take, taking this opportunity. Oh, yeah. Um, like, what, I don't know, what, like, what was that like for that obviously, uh, different from just like maybe how you grew up, right? I mean, one thing, like probably the, the the biggest thing, the most obvious thing, is that Trinidad is is a a like it's it's a third world country. It is, um, you know, right. it's not as bad off as some places, but it's definitely, you know, it's different, um, right, being there than being in the U.S. Right, um, right. which was it was eye opening. You know, it's one of those things where where I definitely there are a lot of things I and like, you know, I'm. I'm trying to figure out how to how to put this. There are definitely things that I take for granted that right. that I think I guess the biggest thing is that I didn't really miss them, right? I don't know. There were some things. There were definitely it was um definitely it was less safe. I didn't have any issues, but I know Shanta was always sort of much more cognizant of of our security than I am here, things like that. Um, right. Right. But it, it was it was it was a wonderful it was a great experience it really was. And how long were you down there? Uh, that time I was down there for about a week and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a pretty good pretty good trip to get you into it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, and then I okay. So uh, what what was the most interesting thing uh, other than uh, carnival. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, um, I'll leave that out because that's yeah. I I think honestly yeah. a lot of it. Well, there's actually a couple of things. I went to um, I think actually the day after I got there, um, we actually went to a a Muslim wedding of one of her her friends from school. Um, okay. Which was was it was fascinating. Um, yeah. For a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the biggest ones is that is that it's a Muslim wedding and therefore there was no alcohol. Which right. um, some of her friends were complaining about, which was very funny, because not yeah. obviously not all of them were Muslim. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, and we like went to a, a bar afterwards and hung out. But um, it was very funny where it was like there were some you know uh, speeches by people that went on a little bit too long during during dinner, where normally you'd be taking a drink during it, sort of you know just pass the time, and you couldn't. Right, which was fun. Um, otherwise, beyond that, like a lot of it. Uh, God, the food is so good. Really, the food was so good. Okay, so what what are some of their dishes? What do they eat? So 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 Trinidad is kind of an interesting like melting pot in that you have a combination of you know like indigenous island uh, island people, then you have uh, like black slaves who are brought over from Africa, and you had uh, Chinese slaves who are brought over from China, and and, and Indian slaves as well. It was like basically just all the people who Europeans enslaved got brought to Trinidad. Um, right, so you had this right. mixture of of Chinese and Indian and like North African 
um, sort of all blended together. So you have, you know, curries with roti. You have, um, I guess, actually one of the um, like simplest ones that's a very like like islandy thing, which is kind of it's kind of like the beach food you eat when you go to the beaches in Trinidad, which is okay. um, bake and shark. So it's basically a fish sandwich. Um, okay. But the bake is like a it's like a fried bread. It's like a really airy. Um, light bread that they yeah. they sort of like pan fry and then split open and then put fried shark on. But with bacon shark, the big thing is that every place that sells it, you know, you get your sandwich with nothing on it. And then they have a like a toppings bar that has, you know, they have like lettuce and tomato and onion or whatever. But then they have like right. um, like pineapple and um, like tamarind sauce and like like garlic and pepper and all these other sauces and stuff. And you just oh, pile. Awesome. Oh, it's so good. There's there's so many. I ate so much good food there, but the thing that I miss the most almost every time is bacon shark because it's just like, it's just so so good. Yeah, that sounds messy too. It, oh, it is. Like it's it's beach food. A fried, yeah. basically a fried bun, right? Yeah. And then all these sauces that you put on it yeah. and stuff. It's definitely messy, but that's why you eat at yeah. the beach and you go in the water afterwards and you're clean. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, you just you just wash it off. Yeah. You don't worry about getting it on yourself. You just go in the water. Yeah, you're on the beach. Who cares? That's awesome. Yeah. Man. And uh and so and then I guess what I don't know, was it like do many people tr- uh, take like tourism trips there? So like is that common at all? Trinidad itself. So so Trinidad is is it's one country with two islands. It's Trinidad and Tobago. And the kind of the way right. it shakes out is that Trinidad has um, – there's not a whole lot of industry there, but what industry they do have is mostly in Trinidad. And it's kind of the more this is where people live sort of place. Tobago is right. much more tourism-focused. Um, oh, okay. So I actually – did you go to both islands? Uh, the first time I was there, I did not. But the second time uh, I went that Christmas later that year – um okay. and that was actually i proposed to my wife in in tobago actually really yeah okay and tell tell me about that sure there's actually a lot of a lot of fun that goes into this this story so excellent um see so i went down there for christmas in 2018 and uh i so whenever i fly i'm i always carry on a bag and then check it at the mm-hmm. gate because it's cheaper. Okay. And it nothing right. ever goes wrong. So like, you know, it's just saving you like 50 bucks or whatever. So why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. So I'm going down to, tr- to, to Trinidad and uh, I do this and they leave my bag in Fort Lauderdale. Are you really? Yep. The, the only time it's ever happened to me and it's why I'm flying to, you know, a different continent. Um, yeah. And this wouldn't be the biggest deal because they're going to put it on the next flight and it's going to get there tomorrow evening. The only problem right. is that Shant and I have planned a trip to Tobago where we're leaving the next morning. Okay. So yeah. I'm going without any of my, I think I had, I had two suitcases, one that I checked and one that I carried on. But the one that I checked, yeah. or sorry, the one that I carried on that was lost had all my shirts and underwear in it. Right. So for the shirts, I had a couple of shirts I had stashed in my, um, like, like laptop bag. Cause I personal item. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I always keep a couple yeah. just cause I'm paranoid. Um, yep. and good thing. Yep. Exactly. Right. Uh, and 
we went so i had a couple shirts there and then i borrowed some polo shirts from uh my wife's family um, okay and then we went and bought me some underwear at at a, a store you know in Trinidad. um yeah but what it meant was that so we went you know we went to i guess going into this this trip um my wife knew i was going to propose because there was a whole visa process we were going through at the same time you know we had to in order to get her here afterwards we went right. through the um the 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 k1 visa process which are you familiar at all with like 90 day fiance uh vaguely oh, yeah the show yeah. yeah i've heard i've yeah yeah it's it's that visa it's the visa they're all doing um yeah yeah so we had already talked about it and like literally filled out paperwork including you know signed declarations to the u.s government of our intent to marry and everything so like right. it wasn't really a surprise she knew she knew I was bringing a ring. She knew I was proposing. She just didn't know exactly right, which, when. I, I mean, which that way you know she's going to say yes. Right. It's nice. Right? Yeah. It's it's kind of yeah. a nice little, you know, little uh, reassurance there. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, basically, she she said she told me that she had a place she wanted me to propose to her. Um, okay. And asked me if I want to know where it was, which felt like a trap. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, no, 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 I can figure it out. I'll figure it out, you know. Um, but then what I did ask her, and what she we agreed made sense was, because I was going to be there for Christmas, I was going to meet a bunch of extended family. Did she want me to propose to her before Christmas? Because right. the rationale being, it's a lot easier to introduce me as, this has been my fiance, than this has been my boyfriend, who we're going to get married at some point, but we're not actually engaged yet. And so right. on, right? Yeah. Um, so she was like, yeah, yeah, you should propose before um, before Christmas. Which that gave yeah. me a lot of information because we were going to Tobago. I think I got there like December 21st or something. Okay. And we we're going to fly yeah. to Tobago on the 22nd and come back the morning of Christmas Eve. So I was like, okay, okay. she must want me, want me to propose in Tobago. <laughs> the only thing that makes sense yeah. and the one thing that she had like locked in as um i think we were doing was going to this one restaurant so i was like okay she gave me like options on the other things we were doing that has to be it that has to be where she wants to want me to propose um, right i was right it turns out that there was the restaurant um where her father proposed to her mother oh really um so i proposed in the same restaurant that her parents got engaged in um, while also wow. to bring things back around, wearing one of her father's polo shirts, which is maybe not as romantic as I want it to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But it worked out. It's fine. It's all good. She said yes. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I mean, good job figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, problem solving. Whatever you get there. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Um, that's fantastic. And then, so that was December twenty eighteen. Yep yeah okay and then so then now you go you're engaged and then uh tell me about what um oh this this double wedding situation yeah the the double wedding thing yeah so it, it comes down what's to that all about it's it's a visa thing so so basically we we wanted to get married in florida just because i have you know i'm originally from florida a lot of my extended family is still there um right so it would be even though we got married closer like to like the miami area and most of my family's from mm -hmm. 
like the Tampa area, so other sort of you know coast of Florida, it was still pretty right. easy for them to get over there. Um, and then right. for her side, there are direct flights to both Miami and Fort Lauderdale from Trinidad. So, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. it sort of just made sense there. So we wanted to go and find a place. Um, problem being, you know, with the K one visa, once the person mm-hmm. enters the country, you have to get married within ninety days. Right. And you have to get a wedding venue out like close to a year in advance. So we had to figure out how we were going to, you know, uh, when we didn't know exactly when she'd be approved for the visa, how would mm-hmm. we book a place and not have it be, you know, too late or too early or whatever. So what right. I'm doing was picking one that was a little bit late. And then just if she got through early, we were just going to do a courthouse ceremony. That's what we wound up doing is that it's just, you know, she got approved in, she just got approved in like April or May. She came up in September. We got married at the end of that month um, at the Boston City Courthouse. Um, her parents flew up from Trinidad. Mine, who live in New Hampshire now, uh, drove down for the day when uh, they came. Yeah. And it was actually surprisingly sweet. Um the like city clerk, whatever, who did it went through like all the, the vows and everything. It was pretty nice. We dressed up for it. She was in like a white jumpsuit and I was in a sort of like a, a light, light gray uh, suit. Uh, yeah. Went out for, for lunch afterwards with their families and went out and got an Italian dinner that night. Um, so that was our first wedding. It was a, a little low key, but it was nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice and simple. Yeah, surprisingly special. I expect it to be more transactional, you know? We think like a courthouse wedding. Right, more like, hey, I signed the paper, like we're done now. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's where, right, you know, we, right. we were there and we saw other people waiting to do theirs and everyone's getting dressed up. And it's one of those things where there are people who that, you know, that is their wedding. You know, that's, they can't, right. they can't do a big fancy wedding. They, you know, or even they just don't want to. They don't, you know feel the need for it yeah they don't care to but yeah I, I found it was really nice that at least at the boston city hall um they definitely did try to make it feel pretty special which was nice you know that is really nice so huh. and and so then that's your first yep, wedding. that's the first wedding and then uh let's lead into the uh the second wedding yeah yeah so second wedding was uh january 3rd of this year 2020 um uh, it was in Boynton Beach, Florida, which is kind of, it is uh, north of Fort Lauderdale. North of Fort Lauderdale? Okay. That feels right. It's it's near Fort Lauderdale. I'll just go okay. with that. I haven't been there in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a really nice place. It was a, um, the venue we went to was like a restaurant slash event space. Um, okay. We had, you know, lots of, lots of my friends from Boston flew down. They unsurprisingly didn't mind going to Florida in January. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I imagine most people wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, her family came up, my family from Florida came over. Um, yeah. it was a lot of fun seeing our families interact. Um, it was very exciting to sort of get that because, you know, Obviously, I am personally very white, and she is not, and my yeah. family is very white, and hers is not. Um, right. So that was that was fun. But, yeah, uh, that would be an interesting mix. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and and so now you're happily doubly married. Yes. Right. Doubly married. I guess I guess it's like really real now because it's happened twice. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and so I'm curious though at the, at the second one, uh, did you have like a ceremony and and everything? We did. We did. Um, okay. We actually had. So my aunt is a chaplain at a hospital. Um, so okay. we had her. She's she's you know officiated weddings before just in her her work. So um, yeah. she actually came and officiated our wedding for us. We did a whole ceremony. Um, we talked going into it if we wanted to, you know, do we want to address the fact we were already married or do we want to just treat it like a wedding? We just treat it like a wedding. Like, you know, yeah. we didn't get a whole full wedding at the, you know, the, the courthouse was nice, nicer than we expected, but it still wasn't a full wedding. So right, we went ahead and, right. and, you know, put all the stops and did all that. So it was good. Huh. That's, that's really nice. Yeah. That, that is quite nice. Um, and then, so now, uh, that kind of brings us to now. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're, you're working, you're married. Um, let's, let's talk, uh, for the last little bit here about, uh, your future, kind of what you see. Um, like, what do you imagine your future is like? Do you want to stay in Boston? Do you want to go somewhere else? Do you want to try a different career? Like, what are you looking at? I really don't know. I, I think... I think career-wise, I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, yeah. You know, I've been I've been working for Putnam for it'll be six years in July. Um, yeah, they're still giving me interesting challenges. They're still we're still you know doing new stuff. So I'm I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, yeah. The one thing that could change is that you know Shanta she only just got her her green card. Uh, right. I guess about a month ago, or maybe a, a little a little under a month ago. Um, so she doesn't have a yeah. job right now. Um, so, so she's still looking for a job. And if, you know, something were to happen where, where we had to go somewhere for her, um, you know, I might, I'd probably, you know, move at that point. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I think we definitely both have, we have friend circles in Boston still, definitely. Um, which right. it's important. It's nice to have that. Yeah. And, you know, the winters are not ideal, but you get used to it. So no. Yeah. Yeah. You do get used to it. And I mean, right now, nobody's feeling any sort of way. Exactly. Yeah. Outside. So, so, I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so for the time being kind of, kind of stay put, I guess, um, maybe let's, let's jump, let's, let's jump down, down the line a little sure. bit. Um, and this is kind of how I, how I conclude every episode is asking people, um, when when you're at the end of your life and like i don't know how long you know life expectancy is going to be but Mm -hmm. you know let's be hopeful and say 150 years old and you're sitting there and you're looking back at everything you've done everything you've experienced um what are some of the things and it can be things that have already happened or things that you hope will happen Mm -hmm. Um, what have you experienced in that five or 500, 150 year time that, you know, that you feel the most pleased with that, uh, and that you look back on with the most fondness? That's a big question. Hmm. I mean, it is one of those things where I feel like it is very like, uh, you know, this is sort of maybe not really expected, but maybe um, cliche. But really, a lot of it is my wife. Yeah. Um, I still think back to the night we met. I still think back to our both of our weddings. 
Um, I think back to, you know, we've taken a lot of, you know, smaller trips together. I think back to those and they're still kind of, she really, is, you know, once again, kind of a cliche, but she really is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And it is one of those things where, where I feel like she does kind of frame my life now. Hmm. So I, you know, once again, I realize just how sort of generically mushy and everything yeah. that is, but it, it's, it's weirdly true. I always thought it was kind yeah, of it's... ridiculous when I heard people say things like that before, but I, you know, I get it now. Yeah, it's cliche because it's accurate, right. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's cliche because yeah. it's relatable once yeah. you once you go through it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, I'm happy to hear that you're happily married twice, <laughs> and uh, and and it's it's been interesting kind of hearing from you uh, over this past 45 minutes or so um, about your life and kind of the things that you've gone through and experienced. And, uh, yeah, actually, I guess, I guess we should have a little plug for your podcast here now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to share that before we wrap up. Sure. So, so the podcast I do is, uh, absurd hypotheticals, um, which, uh, we basically, it's, you know, me and my, my friends, uh, Marcus and Chris come up with dumb, absurd hypothetical questions. Um, trying to think of examples now we've done like, what if your arms grow an inch every week? What if. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next one we're doing, which we're recording later this week, is a uh, a grab bag where we're showing a different question, and these ones are all alcohol related. Um, I think one of us is doing what if uh, Lake Champlain turned into champagne. Um, yeah. one of us is doing. I think one of them is just like a what if everyone was dr- always drunk. And I, hmm. I am doing, um, oh, what exactly is the question? It is, what if, oh, what if all liquids only came out of a tap? Um, which has some fun. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm interested to hear how that one goes. Yeah, down. man, I am too. We're going to see how it goes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we take these, these absurd questions, these absurd hypothetical situations and, try to give um always entertaining hopefully uh generally at least somewhat scientifically accurate uh Mm -hmm. explanations you know situations things that relate to them um it's a lot of fun you know do some weird weird research for it but it's a good time Hmm. well uh yeah i and i can vouch for it i listen to the show regularly uh well produced and uh and very entertaining uh seeing kind of the answers you guys come <laughs> up with for these uh for these absurd hypotheticals um so again uh thank you ben for joining yeah, me thanks for having me and thank you for listening not just to this show but to the people around you to the people in your life that you know from your regular activities now more than ever it's important to take that time just make five minutes a day even to sit and listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.